Chapter Ten of the Wild Irishman by Thomas William Hodgson, T. W. H. Crossland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Brandon. Chapter Ten: Pretty Women. The women of England, not to say of Scotland, have of late years lain under the reproach that they are ceasing to be possessed of the fatal gift of beauty. I am well aware that there is not a reviewer exercising his calling between land's end and john o'groats who will not profess to foam at the mouth on the strength of this statement yet the fact remains that ugliness is rapidly becoming the common heritage of english women and scotch women alike there is an old superstition not of course tolerable to the minds of the smart people of to-day that wickedness or not to put too fine a point upon it ugliness of temperament is calculated gradually to induce ugliness of physique without going into the question of the general wickedness of anglo-saxon femininity we may put it down for a scientific fact that the beauty of them is wearing away let us hope to the land of the leal in those remarkably aesthetic organs which sell fifty process block portraits per week for sixpence we are treated continually to what the editors take for types of english beauty you pay your sixpence and you open your hot-pressed beauty show on the first page that is of course after the advertisements you have a speaking presentment of something with elaborate hair and an inexhaustible fund of torso which frankly might pass very well for a sign to a public house called the bald-faced stag beneath you read in capital letters miss or mrs so-and-so the famous beauty no woman in england apparently is allowed to know whether she be beautiful or not until either mr kebble howard bell or mr j m bullock has so labelled her bell and bullock being of course the only possible judges of feminine beauty england possesses in the politest circles it is quite dangerous to praise a woman's good looks without reference to the files of the sketch and the tattler a certain nobleman however is understood to have earned something of a reputation for himself as connoisseur to openly avowing his contempt for both sheets and surreptitiously swatting up the picture pages of the daily mirror this however like the daily mirror is probably neither here nor there the solemn fact remains that the beauty of england's fairest daughters and scotland's bonniest lasses alike has become a doubtful quantity any person who is troubled with qualms on the subject need only visit a court or an opera or messrs peter robinson's or an a b c shop or a mother's meeting hard faces bleary eyes saw teeth humpy shoulders and an undignified gait not to mention greasy complexions scanty hair bony hands and knock knees are the rule and not the exception among english womankind we have scarcely a beauty left even at the gaiety theatre in fact leaving out the ravishing pictures of the illustrated press there are really only two beautiful women in england and both of these are married to reviewers now i say and maintain that any male person possessed of an eye for the charms of what is commonly called the opposite sex will find that in ireland the decay of female beauty has not yet commenced whether he be in dublin or in cork in sligo or in limerick 
pretty women take his vision as the daffodils take the winds of march at every corner in fine it may be said without exaggeration that if ireland possesses a characteristic which renders her entirely different from the countries to which on the face of it she displays a sort of second-hand tumble-down resemblance it is the prettiness of her women i take it for granted that this trait has been commented upon by other travellers but i do not think that it has heretofore been in any sense properly impressed upon the public mind it is generally understood among artists that irish women have delicate hands and an eye with a sparkle about it irish poets in more or less halting english verse have done their best to indicate that irish women are to say the least of it worth looking at but i am not aware that on the whole the literature about ireland exists to anything like a reasonable degree on the beauty of irish women if the present work were from the exquisite pen of mr arthur simons our failure adequately to portray the beauty of erin's daughters would no doubt be counterbalanced by the insertion of a selection of half-tone portraits of representative specimens as it is we are compelled to admit that words fail us and that even if we cared to employ them the process blockmakers would fail us also it may be said roughly that the beauty of an irish woman while quite tangible and perfect to the vision is an elusive matter when one comes to cold type the anglo-saxon beauty can be hit off in words quite as handily as she can be hit off in paint what she amounts to as a rule is pink and white and yellow hair or mouse-coloured hair and a genteel pallidity but in ireland all this is different beauty of a witching and almost eerie quality is commonplace throughout the country an irishman will speak to you of the red-haired woman or that slip of a girl when he meets pieces of loveliness that titian might have given his eye-teeth for a sight of in france at the present moment there is an artist who is understood to be making a fortune by drawing pretty faces he could find more subjects for his pencil in a day in dublin than he could find in a month in paris for this information i make no charge even mr gibson who appears to have invented a girl of his own might do very well out of the green country mr gibson's young lady is believed to typify the fairest that the united states of america can boast at times and when mr gibson is at his best she is undoubtedly a young woman of prepossessing appearance that she is also a truly american type may be taken for granted there are plenty of women in ireland however who come quite up to the gibson girl standard and for that matter beat it in journeying through the country i have been struck continually by the remarkable facial resemblance which exists between the irish and the american people in an irish railway train you see faces which at once give you the impression that you are at the hotel cecil the high cheekbones and lank-shaven jaw of the full-bodied american are here in great force and it is only when their possessors open their mouths that you can tell the difference of course the thing is accounted for by the fact that a very considerable proportion of the population of america is irish and that for a hundred years ireland has been sending her best blood to the states besides being comely the irish women have the advantage of what one may term an individual beauty 
in england you might rake together twenty beautiful blondes and twenty pretty brunettes and discover that they were merely blondes and brunettes and nothing more that is to say the blondes might readily pass for sisters and so might the brunettes both sorts lacking the ultimate gift of individuality irish women are different indeed you may safely say of them that they are all pretty and all different they never repeat their beauty there is nothing in the white rabbit or puss 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 about them and consequently they do not bore you as most things have a cause it seems possible that there are reasons for the beauty of irish womanhood for myself i should be disposed to ascribe it to the circumstance that the average irish woman be she rich or poor leads the life which a woman was intended to lead by the order of things namely the domestic life irish women are not without the wit to know that they are beautiful they have an armory of feminine allurements and wit enough to handle them with skill and they cannot be considered insensible to the fripperies which all women love but they do not make gaiety and ostentation the aim and end of their existence and they do not shirk the plain duties of womanhood in ireland though the women of the poorer classes have to work in the fields and undertake tasks which by good rights should be done by men there is absolutely no third sex the manly woman the emancipated woman and the impertinent flat-chested typewriter banger which so infest great britain are unknown even the irish sportswoman and as everybody knows she is pretty numerous retains her womanliness in a way that is quite beyond the horsey or doggy woman of the shires so that in one respect at least ireland may be reckoned something of a paradise end of chapter ten recording by john brandon